This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9707. It's Tuesday, the 29th of November. And of course, you're listening to The Morning Run with Keith. Keith? Keith? Yes, yes. I don't want to be confused. And Chong Jensen. And of course, I'm Wong Shaoning. But let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. All key global markets were down as it reacted to, to the protests in China. For US markets, the Dow and S&P 500 were down by 1.5%. The Nasdaq was down by 1.6%. For Asian markets, the Nikkei was down by 0.4%. Hang Seng down by 1.6%, Shanghai Composite down by 0.8%, Straits Times Index down by 0.1%, and the FBM, FBM KLCI was closed. Yeah, Yahoo for holidays. But for more on where international markets are heading, we speak to Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist for the US Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management. Joe, good to speak to you. Now, Fed officials took pains to emphasise that the inflation target is still a priority, suggesting that markets are underestimating the potential interest rate hikes. Does this mean that the initial euphoria we saw in November for equity markets may wane? Well, I think this is a bear market rally, but we've had a rally on the expectation that the Fed is closer to getting to the Fed funds peak, the the rate. So we're not there yet. So the Fed is talking tough. You know, it's it's very ironic. The Fed doesn't want the economy to grow, consumers to spend or the stock market to go up because it makes their job harder. So not surprising. So a lot of hawkish comments today from the Fed, but they're still very much data dependent on inflation and inflation is rolling over, but it's going to be sticky. It's going to take time to come down. And Joe, after Thanksgiving, it's the official start of the Christmas shopping season. What's your feel on how things will go in the wake of rising prices? Well, you know, I hope my wife's not expecting a lot of gifts this year because of inflation. So I already told her, you know, we're low, lower expectations. Um, no, I mean, really, consumers are out there. The biggest, the, the biggest thing here in the United States that people forget about, the, the post-pandemic splurge is on. So inflation is an issue for sure. And consumers are feeling it. But they love being out in malls and the, the shopping centers and just, you know, Black Friday, it, it is remarkable. I mean, what, we, what America does best is shop. So you can't, you know, unless it's, unless it's a pandemic, you can't hold it down. Inflation is not going to stop the consumer from spending, but they're getting less for what they're spending, of course, because of inflation. Now, the U.S. dollar seems unshakable in the midst of all this. Some are saying that the greenback bubble is about to burst. What are your thoughts on, on this? Well, we're looking for in 2023, I wouldn't be loading up on dollars here going into 2023 because we think the dollar is peaked but that doesn't mean it's going to roll over and roll over hard because you know what's the alternative the eurozone is still have problems china's got a lot of problems to deal with the yen and so forth so yes the dollar is peaked we think or is peaking with the fed funds rate but we don't think it's going to come down hard or create any instability so you know, the dollar i wouldn't be buying it here but you know as a as an asset class to own it's it's a long-term hold so are you seeing the dollar as having found its level around here now? And, and this is where we're going to be for, I don't know, uh, for, for what period of time? I mean, I could see the dollar coming off another, say, 5 to 8% between now and mid-year. It depends on how quickly the Fed has to, you know, they, we expect them to do 50 basis points in December. You know, if they pause, right, if they pause in the first quarter, that means more dollar weakness. Um, if they're going to be, continue to be hawkish and continue to raise rates or if inflation reverses itself, then the dollar trend will continue higher. But 
I wouldn't be surprised between now and say mid year the dollar's off, say five, ten percent. But remember, you know, how much the dollars come from. So it'll be down from, you know, mid twenty twenty three, but still up from where we were, say, you know, in the middle of pandemic levels. Okay, but let's say we want to look at other assets. Uh, you know, if you look globally, MSCI World Stock Index is up more than 6%. So aside from the US, what other markets actually offer value? I mean, a great question. And you know, I want to say Europe, but you know, you got to tell me how the war ends and when does it end? Because I do think Europe is very cheap, a lot of value in a lot of these big, large cap European companies across the board, Nordic nations down to Italy. Um, but it's a tough call. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I mean, I like South Korea and Taiwan, but Taiwan's in the crosshairs of the U.S.-China problems. Uh, Malaysia, I like semiconductors. Singapore, you know, the reopening story in Asia, ex-China, I think is a boost for the emerging markets of Asia, ex-China. So I think that's a good play as well. And Joe, I'd like to touch on the uh, recent protests in China, which has caused China and Hong Kong equities to plummet yesterday. How are global financial markets, particularly in Asia, likely to react to this sudden turn of events? Well, I mean, you saw the U.S. sag on the news, so did Europe. You know, China is very important, and China usually leads, right? We always think of China as a leader, top growth, top exporter. Um, across. Now they're the lagger. They're lagger when it comes to dealing with the pandemic. So that's kind of shaken the foundations of a lot of investor confidence. And remember, I do think as we head into 23, 2023, we're on the cusp of a global recession, and there's really no help coming from China. You know, usually, remember the great financial crisis, China actually grew. They were a stabilizer. They added growth. Now they're subtracting. So the way they've dealt with the pandemic, and they're still dealing with the pandemic, you know, lends itself to lower commodity prices, more volatility. And I do think at the end of the day, it leads to more investors, you know, sitting in Malaysia, putting more money into U.S. or U.S. assets relative to the region and particularly China. But China isn't really just uh, uh, suffering from these uh, these events. They are already facing real estate uh, investment problems. How is this going to exacerbate things? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the last thing they need is kind of like not having a good accent ramp for uh, the pandemic. So I think China, this is one of the weakest periods of growth we've seen in China, uh, if not years, if not decades. But it's, you know, it's a top-down economy. They can flick the switch. They can collar the bad loans in the property market. Um, it's just dealing with the pandemic. I mean, it, you know, they've really they got to use more science than you know lockdowns to conquer this. And I do think we're still betting on the reflation, the reopening of China. But don't get overexcited. It's going to take time. It's not flick of a switch. So I think the first half of next year, China will reopen, will reflate, giving some stability to the region and emerging markets and commodities, but don't expect it to happen overnight. That, that's the key. Hey, investors are, you know, they're, they're looking to buy the reflation trade in China. Well, if you buy it now, you're going to get burned. All right. Thank you for your time. That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the U.S. Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management, giving us his views on what's going to be happening uh, to markets in the coming weeks. It looks like the Fed is not going to lift its pedal off the inflation hike for the moment, uh, interest rate hike. So I think markets will remain volatile. What's interesting is that uh, I think China... Yes, facing a bit of headwinds, but the long-term picture is still rather robust. I, I like that he mentioned that the uh, dollar has basically reached its peak, although we should not expect it to fall that much further. But uh, yeah, I think it's something that 
um, that's something that that Malaysians mm. might, might might share. Well, I think a lot to do with how investors feel uh, about markets, right? Because US dollar is still a safe haven asset. So, is your view risk on or risk off? So, if there's more risk on, then I think US dollar will see some weakness. Aside from, of course, the action of the Fed. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot more investors come out to say that China is becoming a lot more uninvestable mm. and there'll be more uh, shift towards uh, US equities. But I think at the end of the day, China is a very large market. And I mean, they've played their cards, um, I wouldn't say well, but I would say it's, a, it's been a bit unpredictable, especially post the party Congress meeting. So hopefully they get their act together and you know they, the market opens up by first half of next year or at the very latest by third quarter of next year. And that will provide a lift to uh, some of the economies uh, in the region as well. Yeah, but I think, you know, one company that's really been in fact, uh, uh, impacted by the recent COVID, zero COVID strategy and this opening and closing, of course, has been Apple because so much of mm. their production, almost 100% uh, emanates out of China. So they could see the iPhone Pro production fall short by as many as 6 million units due to the unrest at its chi- major China manufacturing hub of now, I can attest to this because I was actually shopping around for an iPhone 14 and uh, I'm a Maxi subscriber. And when I go into the website, everything, iPhone 14 Pro, all out of stock. You couldn't buy one even if you wanted to, at least at the Maxi store. Not, not from uh, machines or uh, other Apple shop? No, because I'm looking for a rebate because I'm that kind of lady. Uh, I like my discounts. But I think that's that's going to happen, right? Because the lockdowns come and go and then you saw people actually in those factories flee because they didn't want to be locked in anymore and people are just tired of it. What a time we live in, right? Shortages of iPhone and eggs. <laughs> <laughs> eggs is a Malaysian thing, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, this Chengchou campus, right, has been disturbed by lockdowns, workers unrest for weeks. After COVID infections left Foxconn and the local government struggling to contain the outbreak. So thousands of staff apparently fled in October after chronic food shortages only to be replaced by new employees who re- who, re- who rebelled against pay and quarantine practices. And because of that, Apple has also lowered its overall production target to about 87 million units from an early projection of 90 million. That's probably where the shortage came in. Yeah, I think that's also why Apple is saying, right, that they're looking at shifting production to India. They have no choice, right? It's all about diversification. So it's about production, China plus one. And for Apple, I think the plus one is India. Although I have to say, that was quite an interesting choice for me. I never thought of India being the, the target or at least the the next place to manufacture iPhones. But it's it's another place. It has its own Silicon Valley. Maybe that's why. But up next, we'll cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CIMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.